You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into this Wednesday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9. My name is Ryan Loy, and I've got Tom Peavy and Cam Berry with me here on this Wednesday. A lot to talk about in a short amount of time to do it as we'll be getting off there at 5 o'clock. Auburn baseball coming up in the 5 o'clock hour right here on Tiger 95.9. It'll be a busy night in Auburn athletics as not only does baseball and softball play, you can hear softball over on 99.9 KDFM, but of course Auburn and Alabama men's basketball inside of Coleman Coliseum tonight, 6 o'clock, 5.30 airtime over on FM Talk 93.9. So a lot going on in the world of Auburn tonight. We'll discuss all of that. Uh, including some of the things yet to come, like the women's basketball team in Greenville, South Carolina, taking on Georgia tomorrow. We'll have the voice of Auburn women's basketball and Auburn softball, Brett Bowen, coming up in just about 10 or 12 minutes here on the show to talk women's basketball and the start to this softball season. Of course, as always, all of your phone calls at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9, a nightly TV guide and birthdays in sports as well in this two-hour edition of Sports Call again. Ryan Lavoy, Cam Berry, Tom Peavy. Cam, we will start with you. Hope you're doing well, sir. Good to have you on the show. Yeah, doing really well. Um, enjoying a Wednesday and um, just ready to talk a little bit of Auburn basketball. You know, just got to flush away the game from Saturday, really. Just, I mean, there's really not much good you could talk about there. Um, and you can't have what happened on Saturday happen tonight. Back-to-back blowout losses. I think that's just a big thing. Um just to emphasize, you know, don't really see Auburn winning um, in Coleman Coliseum, but hopefully if, if they can at least be competitive, um, play with the hair on fire, play um, play a little bit of disciplined basketball, um, maybe, you know, just keep it a competitive game. I think that'll be really the key for tonight's game. Um, but overall, doing doing great. The Quinn Snyder era in, in Atlanta for the Hawks has begun, so I'm really happy and excited about that. Uh, see what he can implement towards the end of the season as the Hawks try to make a run um, to the playoffs and, and get out of the play-in like they're in right now. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm doing great. And then Tom with us again on the show. Tom, how are you doing? I'm doing great. And, uh, yeah, a lot of sports to going on, a lot of sports to talk about. Uh, yeah, obviously Auburn basketball, uh, big game, and uh, yeah, a little bit of everything. We've got baseball going on, got softball going on, women's basketball. You know, glad we get to talk to Britt Bowen about and uh, some news out, some news out of some bad news out of Athens, Georgia, with an arrest warrant for uh, uh, one of their star players. And yeah, a lot of stuff going on, a lot of stuff to get into in a short period of time. So let's get at it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, of course. 
you bringing up right there uh, a, a guy uh, at Georgia who potentially could have been the number one pick in the draft and, and I guess right. still could be, although uh, this news uh, not going to help him. But we're talking about Jalen Carter, uh, who's at Georgia and getting ready for the NFL Combine, which is starting, I don't know, today, tomorrow. They're kind of all yeah. already there. Uh, I don't keep track of when exactly all the events start, admittedly. But I'm definitely uh, ready for the Combine and news coming out about his reckless driving charge. Uh, there's a, a warrant out for his arrest dating back to a mid-January incident, uh, which ended up killing uh, a couple of people. Uh, was going like 120, I think, something like that, was Ooh. racing. Yeah, racing. Uh, at 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the morning. And uh, this is a, a rough situation for Jalen Carter, who, again, as I just alluded to, if a quarterback is not taken, uh, it is it is possible that, um, you know, he could have been the number one overall yeah. pick. And I would anticipate that that, would probably change when a ward is is out for your arrest. I, I will ultimately see, but uh, bad news for him today. And I, I don't know what kind of how long the charge could go on for, but uh, not what you want to have as the combine starts. No, not at all. And I, I saw that um, you know he said he was going to go back to Athens and get this resolved. He said he feels like he's going to be exonerated of everything and and just get it all resolved and and figured out. Uh, but definitely not a good look, you know, uh, saying that he was there when the accident happened and then he f- left the scene, um, the, left the scene of, of the crime where everything kind of went down of the accident um, and that uh, unfortunately two people ended up passing away. Including um, one of his teammates. Yeah, including one of his teammates. So it, it's just not a really good look. Um, you know, hopefully everything does get figured out um, and, and just we'll, we'll have to see. Yeah. Uh, you know, when that accident happened, uh, the, the car accident took the life of one of the Georgia football players and one of their uh, female recruiting assistants. Uh, and another uh, player was involved in the wreck, was in the hospital. Uh, at the time, it was a wreck and, you know, it was a, a tragedy, but then more stuff started coming out. And I, I think people kind of realized there was probably more to the story than was out there. And it was just a matter of time. But I, nobody realized that Jalen Carter was in, involved. And the racing aspect of them, the two cars going over 100 miles an hour, weaving in and out of traffic, using the other lane of travel, um, just completely reckless driving before the young lady who was driving the other vehicle wrecked. And then she had a very high uh, blood alcohol level of 0.14 something. 0.08 is legal limit. She was like a 0.14. So she was highly intoxicated at the time of the accident. And, and racing uh, at over 100 miles an hour. Just, you know, oh, man. Just yeah. it's such a tragedy. It's such an, avo- an, very an avoidable, avoidable, very avoidable tragedy. But now you've got Jalen Carter again, who's, you know, potentially the top pick in the entire NFL draft. Now he's caught up in this because he was also racing there. with them. Yep. Uh, you know, he didn't necessarily cause the wreck, but he is being a part of that just doesn't look good so hopefully that gets resolved for him but a very tragic situation and and even more so tragic now that more of that story keeps coming out yeah just some more poor choices continue to be made in the wee hours of the morning yeah uh that is usually not when man's best thoughts are are had no and uh that is proving out to be true again uh in this scenario with jalen carter as well 
Just a couple minutes where we got to take our first break of the show. Again, we'll get to Britt Bowen uh, talking Auburn women's basketball and Auburn softball. But go ahead and, and start things uh, with the Auburn versus Alabama basketball game coming up tonight. The return trip for Auburn after Auburn had an opportunity against Alabama inside of Neville Arena a few weeks back. Led that game at times and uh, was still very much an even game with about five minutes left in the game before Alabama went on a bit of a run and Auburn went cold, missing, I think, nine of their last ten shots or nine of their last 11 shots. And so this is a team that Auburn was able to hang in there with in Auburn. However, now going on the road, obviously a much different story for college teams to go on the road versus uh, being at home. Alabama can lock the whole thing up for an SEC title. Of course, they've already got a share guaranteed to them, but they can go ahead and lock up the title outright with a win tonight. A lot on the line for them. They've been having a couple lesser impressive games since the Brandon Miller stuff came out, but still talking about one of the best teams in the country and a very tall task for Auburn tonight. Yeah, very tall task indeed. Like I kind of alluded to early, you just want, if you're Auburn, you know, if you can if you can still win, obviously that would be the most ideal situation, but let's just say that you know, everybody doesn't think you're going to win, obviously. Um, so that being said, you just want to be competitive. You want to be as competitive as, as possible. What happened in Rupp Arena against Kentucky cannot happen in Coleman Coliseum. Um, getting blown, I mean, just the doors blown off you. you it just can't happen again like that. Um, you you got to at least remain competitive. Um, and, you know, even if it does come out, come down to a loss, you have Tennessee on Saturday. Um, and so you, you kind of look towards that, but just focus and, and do as best as you can. If you're Auburn, uh, just stick to what you're good at. Obviously don't shoot a whole bunch of threes, get inside the paint, uh, try and try and work around in there. Um, get Janai broom into his spots, get Jalen Williams into his spots. And, um, if you're Wendell, just kind of make the smart decisions, um, on the court and, and just facilitate like he does. And, um, you know, Auburn will be in some pretty good shape. Obviously, when we know that when they get to shooting a lot of threes, um, it, it just the, they, it just is not an ideal situation. Um, and with that being said, yeah, I, you just that's what you have to do if you're Auburn, I think. Yeah, well, the big thing with uh, a, a couple of big things that I say with Auburn, I mean, we you talk about the X's and O's, every, everybody understands that. You know, Janai Broom needs to have a big game. You need to limit your threes. Uh, and knock down the ones that you do make. Right, we get that. Um, in in a mentality sake, Auburn needs to try to play that role of the underdog because nobody's giving them a chance. Yeah, they they're down and out. Nobody's giving them a chance. Big bad Alabama is, is just they can't be stopped right now at Coleman, and so you know nobody's giving Auburn a chance. So try to use that underdog mentality that a lot of times Auburn uses that to their advantage, and right. so. Play, play the underdog. Um, go in there and do that. The other thing mentality-wise I will say is don't panic. If things start if things start looking like they're getting away from you, is not to panic. And I think that's part of what happened in Lexington is once Kentucky yeah. got on that run, it, you, you start seeing – It's hard to bounce back. It, it's hard to bounce back, but you start seeing panic shots. You know, it, you it, guys coming down and just firing up threes. It feels like we've got to get it all back at one right. time. It's like, no, stop, slow down, play your game. Almost forcing you know, the shift right. in momentum. Just don't, do just that. don't yeah. panic. Play your game. Don't feel like all of a sudden 
you have to start shooting threes just from crazy. No, right. don't panic. Keep the game in front of you. Relax. Let things play out and, and try to stop those big runs because that you know if Auburn gets into panic mode, they're they're done for because they they're not one of those that operates good with racing down the court and firing up shots. You know they they are not a heat check type team. They they're not the type that's going to come down and just start firing up threes at will and and dropping them. So that's the thing. Play the underdog role. Uh, try to use that to the best of your ability, and then when it, if things do start getting out of hand, is just uh, you know relax and don't start just throwing up desperation stuff. When you're early on in the game and you don't need to be throwing up desperation things at that time, just yeah, relax and then you know obviously play like we game. said X's and O's of it. Yeah, Janai Broom, limit your threes, play good defense, yeah, force turnovers. Defense. There you go. Yeah, let's go to our first commercial break of the show today. When we come back, we'll talk to Britt Bowen about Auburn women's basketball as well as Auburn softball. You're listening to this Wednesday edition of Sports Call. Want to know how easy it is to listen to our show? All you have to do with your Amazon smart device is say, Alexa, play sports call Auburn. I'm Trevon Reed, former Auburn Tiger football player and national champion. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to this Wednesday edition of Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, or if you're listening on the app, the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy, and I've got Cam Berry and Tom Peavy with me here today. And with that, let's go to the Auburn Bank phone line. We're going to welcome on a special guest now. He's the voice of Auburn women's basketball and Auburn softball, Britt Bowen, coming to you live from Greenville, South Carolina. Britt, the time is greatly appreciated. How are you doing, my friend? Hey, guys. Doing well. How are you all? Doing very well. Uh, Auburn women's basketball getting set for an SEC tournament here, uh, which started today but started without the Tigers as they were able to get a first-round bye for the first time in quite some time. Britt, talk about as this team started to get healthy down the stretch, how how that changed the dynamic for this team and and ultimately led for them uh, to be able to avoid playing on on the first day of the SEC tournament. Uh, being being healthy was huge. I mean, and that's what you look back at both last year and this year. I, I, I think this team just, I mean, they just had a bad a bad hand they had to play with in the first few weeks, and it kind of set them back. And that's what's so frustrating about this year is if you look up and down the schedule in the month of January, I, I, you ask the coaching staff, we easily left three or four wins on the schedule. So, you know, of course, in your mind, you're saying, you know, what if, what could have been, but. To their credit, you know, they, they never really used that as an excuse. I mean, they came on and won three in a row for the first time, I think, since like 2015 or something like that in January. And then they had to scrap some out against Texas A&M and Vanderbilt. But but here's the thing. I mean, they, they took care of business and they, they're, they're, starting to, they're starting to play with confidence. And I know like this Georgia team they're playing on uh, tomorrow. Yeah, Georgia won the first meeting, but but Auburn, Auburn left that game frustrated, you know, and you know, and, and feeling like they should have won, and, and you know, earlier in the season, in games where we were shorthanded, it, it was it was more frustration because, well, uh, we just don't have it today. Well, now they do have it, and they're trying to figure out how to make all the pieces click. And 
it's going to be fun to watch, and, and it's going to be fun to see one week later after playing Georgia last week what they can do tomorrow, and, and I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, Britt, um, year two of Johnny Harris – and um, last last year they were ten and eighteen overall. This year five and thirteen, so a, a five game uh, improvement. Just talk about um, what Johnny Harris has has improved just year year to year um, since year one and year two. I, I think top to bottom, right off the bat, is number one is talent, and number two is belief. I mean, last year was year one. It was a it was a foundation year, and she had to come in and let everyone know, hey, here's what to expect, and. And as, as y'all know, and we learn with we learn with Coach Thompson and Auburn baseball, we learn with Bruce and Auburn men's basketball, and Coach Freeze, he's going through the same thing right now with Auburn football. That stuff takes time; it doesn't just happen overnight. And and you're starting to see you're starting to see all of that stuff pay off here in year two. I mean, look at how much more competitive this team was this year in year two versus year one. In addition to the talent that was brought in in this freshman class and. Uh, there's still holes to fill. There's there's still a lot of areas to get better, but um, I mean, if if this team, like I said, going back to the first question that Ryan had, if this team is healthy in the month of January, I mean, you know, Auburn's not a ten seed in this tournament this weekend. We're we're looking upwards of of, of, of a six seed somewhere around there. So it is what it is. Um, you know, like like I said, they 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 had to play with a hand that was dealt. But um, I, I think the biggest difference from last year to this year is. That sense of belief is, is Johnny last year. I mean, you had to go out and beat Tennessee and Georgia to prove to the kids that, hey, we can do this. Well, well now it's this year it's just battling back and getting healthy. As, as you guys know, that we're without Romy Levy um, for, the, for the remaining games this season. Is uh, She's having to nurse her knee and, and, and get it back to full strength to be ready for next year. So, so we're not a, a 100% going into the tournament, but, um, but, but still a, a lot better off than where we were in the month of January. And Britt Aisha Koulibaly was again named second team All SEC uh, just the other day. Talk a little bit about her presence for Auburn and just how the dynamic of someone that has got to carry so much on her shoulders and being one of the top players on the team, one of the one of the veterans on the team, and, and how she's been able to beat defenses despite having a lot of attention on her this year. Yeah, and it's one that it, 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 it's a tribute to her skill set and her mindset. And and AC, she, she's she's one of the players we talked about. You know, like not having healthy um, for the most part of this season. Well, now that she's back, and she's she, she's been working on getting herself right mentally. And about two weeks ago, Coach, Coach Harris said that her and Aisha had had a good chat. And ever since that chat. Um, Aisha's really turned the corner. You look at what she's doing on the floor and the numbers she's putting up. I mean, I mean, she had 20 the last game against Georgia and, and, and could have had more, I thought. And she had a career-high seven assists in that game. So she's truly the player that opens everything up. Her and honesty, Scott Grayson, are equally as valuable on this team. And and you ask the team, they'll tell you. I mean, you you look at the first first games this season, Auburn. Um, was without honesty, and, and, and the games Auburn was without Aisha. You, you notice the difference because it's not just their skill set; it, it's that it's that leadership and, and, and the belief that they instill in their team of, along with their abilities. And um, I tell you, with Auburn and, and Aisha, if Auburn could somehow get past Georgia, you know Auburn didn't have Aisha the first time we played LSU, so. Um, LSU is a good team, and we went to Baton Rouge and we battled down down low with Angel Reese. So again, we did it without AC. So 
if Auburn were to somehow to make it out of the bar and make it into Friday in the quarterfinals, that would be a matchup that, that Angel Reese and LSU has not seen yet. So um, that's something I'm excited for. Again, we got to we got to take care of business tomorrow, but it's going to be a matchup to watch out for. And again, as you mentioned, Britt, playing Georgia tomorrow, uh, you mentioned Auburn-Georgia just played at the beginning of last week to a 70-59 to game in Athens, but that game was much closer than that for the majority of it. So what will be the keys for Auburn to try and correct things the second time around? Second time around, uh, number one is not turning the basketball over. If Auburn turned it over uh, 18 times, or, or excuse me, yeah, 18 times against Georgia, each team had 18 turnovers, and Georgia scored 15 points off of those turnovers. Georgia leads the SEC in steals. Auburn is second in the SEC in steals. It's going to be a defensive game tomorrow, and Auburn has got to keep Chloe Chapman off the free throw line. She's one of the best free throw shooters in the SEC, and she hit 12 of 16 for Auburn down the stretch. And I'm not sure she missed in the second half against Auburn um, when we played in Athens last week. So, Take care of the basketball and, and, and force Georgia to make their shots. I, I thought we did a bad job defensively, and they broke us down, and, and we bailed them out by allowing them to get to the free throw line and get in the bonus. That's that's where they hurt us down the stretch. And and when we got frustrated with how the game was being called, and it was frustrating, but you got to play through that. And um, and I will say though, in talking to the coaches and, and being around the team. Um, and I mean this in a good competitive way. This team's excited to have Georgia again because they they left Stegman Coliseum last Thursday a little frustrated, knowing they they left something on the floor. And and, and here's something in this league: it's rare you get to see a team twice in a week. And uh, Tigers have a shot at redemption tomorrow. We'll we'll see what they do with it. Uh, switching over to the softball side of things. Uh... We, we knew coming into this season, and we've known ever since Mickey Dean took over here, that the pitching was going to be fine. Uh, it was just yeah. a matter of getting some offense going to go with that pitching. Goodness gracious, does it feel like Auburn has found some offense with Bree Ellis and some of those other bats? Uh, can you just talk about the turnaround of the offensive side of this softball team that we've seen so far? Well, it's, yeah, it's, it's two sides of it. Number one is, is the development of all the returners that we have coming back from last year. I mean, because – Really, aside from losing Kelsey Schmidt to the portal, you didn't lose anybody. So everybody is coming back a year mature. They've been in that game, and they've had a year under their belt last year. And being in the starting lineup, when you talk of yeah, Bree Ellis and Lindsey Garcia, but also Carly McConaughey and looking on down, you get Aspen Godwin back, who is a key piece. I mean, she's the most experienced player on this team. So when you combine all that talent with the development – and then you talk about, oh, we have the addition of Annabelle Weidra. We have the addition of K.K. McCrary and Isis Tresvig. Those are three really good bats you're adding to your lineup in addition to getting Michaela Packer back healthy. Um, Auburn this year, it, it, they have the ability to surprise some people, but it's all about what Coach Dean has, has been talking with us about um, in our pre- and post-game shows. It's about staying present, not looking ahead, and focused on, the day-to-day because right now look we all know the schedule hasn't been too incredibly challenging up until this point at least in terms of, of last weekend but here's the thing it, it doesn't matter like you have to go out and beat who's 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 between the lines and they're doing that they're putting up numbers they're doing what they're supposed to do Auburn's got to focus on Auburn and not worry about anything else and if they continue to do that they're going to be just fine because you know like you even going back to the mindset of 
of our hitters this year. I mean, look at what Bree Ellis did last year. You know, she's been asked by the media time and time again, like, how do you come back from that? And and Casey Cooper, who I have the privilege of working with, Casey's had some great conversations with her about, you know, like leaving last year and last year and let this year be this year. And, and Bree, to her credit, she's been able to do that. And um, Bree, I mean, she, she, I'm quoting her, I'm paraphrasing here, but, you know, she's supposed to, you know, individual accolades are great, but, you know, team awards and getting to OKC is, is a lot cooler, you know, and, right. and that's what this team, that's what they're aiming for, and they're, they're in a really good spot to do it. And, of course, as Tom mentioned, what, what Mickey Dean has been known for uh, while at Auburn and before at, at James Madison is the pitching. And, of course, Auburn's yeah. got five straight shutouts working right now, and even the two games before that they only allowed one run. So everyone knows about Maddie Penta, but, Britt, they're also starting to get a healthier version of Shelby Lowe, who had been really good at, at, right. before the injuries last year. And then, as you mentioned, uh, getting some new pitching from Annabelle Weidra, a little bit of Isis Tresvik. So talk about the pitchers behind Maddie Penta that are going to be kind of important for kind of stretching out who all can go in these three-game series throughout the year. And that's, what, and that's going to be huge because how these pitchers develop and, and how Coach Dean – um, decides to use them will be big because, I, like, I, I would be shocked if, if Auburn expects Maddie Penta to, to take on the workload that she took on last year. You know, like, like she, she took on everything last year because Auburn didn't have a choice. Auburn was down um, two pitchers because of injury last year, and they pitched through it sometimes, but it didn't always go so well. So Auburn this year with their depth, they got to find a way to manage it and use it. And you start with Annabelle Weidra. Annabelle's got the ability to start in SEC games, but also with Annabelle, she gives you that depth. If you need her to come in and, and move from third or DP to come in and, and give you some innings in SEC play, she's got the stuff to do it. Her curveball and her changeup are that good, and we've already seen it this year in non-conference play. And then you talk about Shelby Lowe. Um, from everything I'm hearing right now, it, it's been a good prognosis from Shelby in terms of how she's feeling. Um, I, I don't think there's been too much discomfort right now for, for the left-hander in her junior year, which is great to hear. Um, it'll be interesting to see how that workload continues to improve because this past, uh, I think it was this past Sunday, we saw Shelby get a start and saw her go four innings. That was the longest she's gone in a start this year. That's a great sign for Auburn. And uh, we all remember how good Shelby was her freshman year. And I, I think down the stretch, her freshman year, I, I think she was the best freshman pitcher in the SEC. Um, and then you combine her with Penta and Weidra. Oh, and then you get to throw in a pitcher like Isis Trestic, who I, I still think has a little bit more developing to do in, in the circle. But if you can get her going along with Emma Roth in, in her development, Auburn's going to be pretty stacked pitching-wise because, it, look, if you if you look in Oklahoma City and you look at the teams that can make a run, you got to have pitching depth. you got to play defense you got to have pitching. Offense will come, but you got to have pitching, and, and, and that's what Auburn is working to this year. Talking to Britt Bowen, the voice of Auburn women's basketball and Auburn softball here on this Wednesday edition of Sports Call. Britt, before we let you go, set up the broadcast details for tomorrow night's game for Auburn women's basketball and, and the path that lays ahead if they are able to advance. Yeah, Ryan, uh, we will be on the air tomorrow with me and Dr. Larry DeShera and, of course, Brooks Monroe Childress, a friend of the broadcast. Um, he will be he will be uh, in studio for us. We'll be on the air at 4.45 tomorrow. We'll be on uh, FN Talk 93.9 tomorrow, and you can listen to us on AuburnTigers.com, um, also on the Auburn Tigers app. 
And, uh, again, we would love to have you. Coverage starts at 445. Tip-off is set for five. It's Auburn in a rematch with Georgia. The winner gets the number two seed of the tournament in the LSU. Same time on Friday. It'll be at 5 o'clock Central, again, on FN Talk and the Auburn Tigers app Friday afternoon. It, it would be absolutely huge tomorrow for Auburn to get this win. And, and here's the thing, guys. Auburn can do it. Auburn's not going to be favored by a lot of people, and, and I understand why, but the Tigers can do it. I, I saw that again. When I saw this matchup with my own two eyes um, just last week, and, and Auburn's got to play some polished basketball. But they they have the talent, they have the coaches to get it done, and I'm looking forward to it tomorrow. Britt, thank you very much for the time. We look forward to listening to you on the broadcast tomorrow night. And hey, it's March, so let's uh, let's get it going. Uh, survive in advance of the mentality, and, and let's get it started the right way tomorrow night. Hey, guys, appreciate the time. War Eagle. War Eagle. Eagle. That is Britt Bowen, the voice of Auburn women's basketball and Auburn softball, joining us here on this Wednesday edition of Sports Call. We need to take a timeout. More Sports Call coming up after this. is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. I'm Deshaun Davis, former Auburn Tigers football player and all-SEC linebacker. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call on this Wednesday. Ryan LaVoy, Canberry, Tom Peavy. Again, big thanks to Britt Bowen, the voice of Auburn women's basketball and Auburn softball, for joining us just a second ago on this edition of Sports Call. If you missed that, you can check it out in the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola. If you ever miss Sports Call Live, if you want to hear something again, make sure you go back and listen to our show on demand wherever you get your podcast. Join Ice Cold Coca-Cola to go along with the hottest sports talk, Coca-Cola. Taste the feeling. So appreciative of Britt there. As Auburn women's basketball SEC tournament journey starts tomorrow, again, 445 airtime over on FM Talk 93.9. Let's go back to our Auburn Bank phone line, 334-887-341 locally or toll-free, one triple eight nine tiger 9 Next up on the show, Ward Dam Steve. Retire Ward Dam Steve joins us. Steve, how are you doing? I'm doing great, guys. How, how's everybody there uh, doing? Doing well, well yeah, sir. Doing good. Okay, so I hear Tom, yep. uh, yourself, Ryan. Who else is on there? Cam Barry. Yes, sir. Cam. All right. Today, uh, can we officially call it Wacky Wednesday? Not quite. I mean, if you have something wacky for us, then feel free. But oh, I got wacky. I got wacky. All right. Well, then uh, then give it to us. I got wacky. Uh, you know the old saying uh, that the SC uses a uh, slogan, you know, in the SC, it just means more? It just means more. That's right. Well, here's. Here's why I'm going with this wacky. Uh, apparently, uh, today, uh, the Kentucky and Florida women's basketball teams, uh, that slogan apparently really applies. Yes. Uh, it yes. just does mean more. They had a scuffle that cleared how many people? Uh, eight people got ejected and cleared the entire bench. You know about it or not? I So I saw the I saw a brief video of it. I didn't realize that many people got ejected. but uh, uh, Four on each team, I believe. Wow, yeah. okay. Goodness. Yeah, it comes from Yahoo Sports. Uh now, you may know these women. I, I do not know them. Uh, but apparently, 
<clears throat> Kentucky had just scored a basket, and somebody named Petty caught a ball, shoved it into the opponent's face. Uh, her name is Witchy. Is that her name? Weiss. Oh, Weiss. Weiss. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Was, I think was running back Weiss. up the court. Yeah. Yeah, but apparently uh, when she lost the basketball toward the back of Penny's head, it didn't hit her, but then they went at it. And they said, this is, of the, I love this, chaos ensued. And both players not only had to be restrained, but then eight players were ejected after the pandemonium, which delayed the game for 22 minutes. Yeah, we were, we had it on in the office, actually, yeah. uh, around lunchtime today, and uh, as you said, the, the player for Florida tried to hit the other girl with the basketball, but even though she was five feet away, she missed her, oh, uh, and then kind of went down the other end and tried to tried to get a punch in, and was getting kind of thrown to the side. And then players left the bench, and a couple scuffles, and it was uh, it was an unbelievable situation. Well, do you know what triggered it? Because all I read is said that the Kentucky player scored, uh, and then Petty caught the ball. And she shoved it. I mean, what was that about? Did, did, did they have an ongoing altercation prior to this? Not, not really. I mean, they, they showed the possession before. There was a little shove in the back on the rebound uh, by the by the Florida player into the Kentucky player. But that kind of foul has happened so many times in college basketball. That's a very common rebounding foul. And so then, yeah, as you said, the next possession, the Kentucky scored, and that girl, the ball landed in her in her. Uh, chest and she then shoved it up into the face of the Florida player uh, and, and she was going back the other way and you know she wasn't trying to then push the Florida player she just put the ball in her face which is unsportsmanlike obviously and then the Florida player just absolutely lost it I mean I, I know there was a trigger there but it still should should not have been to that degree and then that's so, where everything went how many technicals were called after that oh they they I mean they called they they it took like a minute to read it off to the broadcasters. I know Robin Benton, who is Kentucky's best player and former Auburn Tiger, got an intentional foul. She was not thrown out. Uh, but then, she was not thrown out. No, she was not thrown out, but four other Kentucky players were, along with four Florida players. All the technicals offset, so no one shot any free throws out of all that. Are you serious? Yep. They're all yeah. not, a, not a free throw was shot, yep. Oh, well, who won the game? Uh, it was uh, it was not Florida. It was Kentucky. I think Kentucky got out to a double digit lead in the final minutes there. So Kentucky won. Okay. Well, when that came up, said so I've I've got to put this up as a wacky. It was wacky. Lead. Yeah, that was fair. That was a good one. Apparently, it really does mean more to uh, the women's <laughs> basketball teams. Leave those two anyway. Okay. Uh, moving on. I heard some Brim Bowen's comments. Uh, maybe I, I missed it. Did he say if our team has any? Uh, advantage or not uh, over the Georgia team tomorrow? Yeah, I think just the the fact that both these teams usually create a lot of turnovers. So if Auburn can figure out a way to be a little bit more possessive of the ball, Georgia is first in the SEC and steals. Auburn is second. So that's something that both teams do well is taking the ball away. So if Auburn can find a way to win the turnover battle, that's usually one of Georgia's best components. And, and that's something that Georgia did well the first time against Auburn. Uh, what do you guys give uh, our basketball team tomorrow uh, going on and winning? Uh, I, I would say about a forty percent chance. I, I do think that they uh, will have a uh, you know they were in the game most of the game against Athens. Georgia pulled away in the fourth quarter, but that was an even game for three quarters pretty much. And I, I think Auburn has played 
very competitive basketball since they got healthy. Yes, they've lost some games, but even Tennessee, who finished third in the SEC in Thompson Bowling, Auburn played a single-digit ball game with them. So I, I think Auburn can definitely hang in the game, but can they make the right plays down the stretch? Kind of like the men's team at times. Auburn women's team has had some tough go of it in, in close games. So I think they'll be. I think it'll be a very competitive game, but I do think Georgia's a little better team, and I think they will pull it out. Uh, SEC Network is going to be showing it? Yes, that should be the, the TV. Yep. Okay. All right. Moving on real quickly, guys. Uh, about our game tonight, I do not look forward to it. And I rarely ever say that about uh, an Auburn sports team, but this one I do not. Now, uh, if we were to win this game, you know, I guess this is our Super Bowl or not theirs. I, I'm not a fan of calling it either team Super Bowl. Yeah, I know. I do. You know I'm, making, I'm, being, <laughs> yeah. I'm being sarcastic. Right. I do yeah, not even want to. You don't even go there, yeah. Yeah, uh, what ridiculous comments. But anyway, but if we were to win this game, guys, we would do what traditionally we have been known to do, and we screw things up for Alabama, either football or, or otherwise, right? So here's what's on the line for tonight for our team. I didn't know this until I read from Nathan King. Auburn is one victory away from its fifth 20-win season under Coach Pearl. Prior to Coach's arrival, Auburn had only nine such seasons in the program history. Yeah. Yep. That's right. So that that's astounding. So, well, I mean, how, how I mean, uh, I guess, how, how ironic or, or how, uh, uh, you know, iconic would it be uh, for us to do that to them at the same time uh, get our uh, 20th mm-hmm. win season? How unlikely is it? Yeah, pretty unlikely. Uh, but anyway, uh, I'll watch it uh, to the bitter end. All right, sticking with college baseball, basketball guys, this one caught my attention. Uh, I said, wow, how stupid can NCAA be? But I guess stupidity uh, continues uh, and abounds in March Madness especially. I caught this from a, uh, I guess a, uh, a website um, called The Comeback. It's written by Reese Shipley. It says, the college basketball world enraged with NCAA rule. Uh, and it involves uh, a team called Merrimack. Are you aware of what this is about? Because I read the article. Uh, is Merrimack the team that that just went from uh, divi- from a different division into uh, the division, division one. one, and they're not eligible for the tournament? Exactly. Yeah. Well, not only they're not eligible, they weren't eligible last year either. Right. Because of this, I think it is a stupid rule. I don't know why they made it, but you have to have four years when you transition from the lower division to division one in order to be able to play in the uh, NCAA tournament. But they last year clinched. Uh, they were in a season conference, and this year they've done it again. However, they still will not be eligible, so they have to sit it out. But what's even more astounding is the second-best team also is in the same boat. They can't go either. They're called the, uh, the Seahawks. Is that the name? Um, yeah, I think that's – yeah. Um, what and, conference uh, is this, by the, the way? Stonehill, Stonehill Seahawks. Uh, the Northeastern Conference. Okay, the NEC, gotcha. Yeah, the two best teams are both ineligible for postseason, although March Madness is supposed to be about the best teams uh, should be able to go to the tournament, right? Yeah, you know, I, I, I want to see if Tom or Cam have a reason here. I, I'm not really thinking of the reason why it's a good idea to make teams go from Division Two, Division One, ha- have them – be ineligible for four years. I'm sure there was a reason at some point, but but how did oh. you come up with that, Brian? Four years. I mean, how yeah. hard I mean, that, that's a whole yeah, that's a whole cycle of players. Uh, I, 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 
I'm not sure get, either. That doesn't make much sense. Yeah, I, I'm still trying to, to think of the reason. I, I just I have Is not thought paperwork? of one yet. Yet, Does I mean, the paperwork <laughs> take a long time. No, I mean I'm you're not sure. you're officially in Division One. I. I mean you're competing in that conference, but yeah. I, I I am honestly I mean, not they don't sure. Do it for Steve. Football? Do they? Do you have college football as well? Um. I, I think I you know. would from Division Two. You would not probably from the FC. Well, I, who knows? I don't think you I, have I, to from the FCS like, to FBS. Yeah. And we're we're certainly having a few of these teams jump here. You know what? I can. I don't know if it's four years, but for some reason, I still want to say there is some sort of ban if you're going from FCS to FBS. Maybe it's only a year or two. Yeah, but, you can't. I can't yeah. go immediately. But right. wait four years. That I mean, who decided that, that was reasonable? I, I don't know. Again, I, I'm not coming up with a good reason why that would be true. Uh, that happened last year with Bellarmine. Uh-huh. Uh, Bellarmine was ineligible last year uh, in the uh, Atlantic Sun and couldn't go to the tournament. Okay, I just didn't know yeah. if they had separate or different years uh, to wait for, for college football versus college basketball. Are they identical? Not Not sure. Yeah. Not sure. Okay, well, I thought that what a travesty. I mean, I mean, they can't just go ahead and, and, and get a vote and says let's stop it. You know, the insanity. Uh, how stupid. All right, uh, moving on, guys. Um, I did not uh, know that this was being considered. Maybe you guys did, but this comes from Sports Illustrated. It's called NCAA considering rule changes to shorten football games. Uh, have you read that article? What they're considering? Uh, I have. I've been meaning to bring it up on the show as kind of a, a longer form discussion, but uh, it, uh, I do I do believe I read that a couple weeks ago. Yeah. What did you make of it? Because I thought, wow, this is like almost going to the NFL in some respects, right? The group is going to consider using a running clock after a team converts a first down, which they do in the NFL, right? Right. That there's th- two or three of those are fine. The the one that is dumb that I'll go ahead and beat you to the punches is that the clock okay. clock continuing to run on an incomplete pass. They're, they'll stop right. it to set the ball, and then once the ball is set, they wind the clock. That part of it's stupid to me. I, I, the NFL doesn't even do that. Exactly. I, I, I just don't – I think that's way overreacting to the time situation. So that part of it I do not like. The other stuff was more of a modest, uh, reasonable change. Well, what gets me, though – wait a minute. If you're going to want to shorten the, the, ball, the ball game, which is what they say they're – the, the, their mission is, then why are these rules only for, like, the converting the first down, the clock keeps going? It's only for the final two minutes in each half. Well, oh. just do it for the whole damn game then. Uh, so, well, so what, what, I, I don't know if you – what do you mean by that? So the, the, last, the last two minutes yeah, – I'm going to read it right here for you, Ryan. The last uh, two minutes they here. do have the old clock rules. Okay. The group will consider using a running clock after a team converts a first down – prior to the final two minutes in each half. Right. Not allowing teams also to call back-to-back timeouts, which I like that because, yeah. you know, they do that nonsense for uh, icing the timeouts kicker. back-to-back. Yeah. You know, for icing the kicker. I'm glad that one they can, they can do away with. And then uh, this one is interesting. They're going to eliminate untimed downs when a foul is committed as time expires to end the, the first and third quarters. Yep. yep. That what one, about that one? That one seems... <laughs> That one seems like such a niche one that probably only happens a few times a year. You know, I mean, like, that one is not going to really impact every single game because how many times does a defensive penalty happen to end the first or third quarter? Again, I mean, not often, maybe a couple times a week. So that one's not as consequential. That one's just very procedural there. 
But I, I'm fine with the timing rules being different in the last two minutes of the first and second half because that still allows for the chaos scenario at end of game. So they, they are able to speed up the other portions of the game, but then if there's a last-minute comeback, there is a little bit of aid to that comeback with the timing rules. And, and that's why you've had in the NFL, you have a two-minute warning at the end of the first and second half. That's why the clock stops when you go out of bounds at the end of halves in the NFL. So that that's their way of doing that. So I'm fine with those those changes not really having anything to do with the last couple minutes of each half. About that, do you remember, guys, I guess it's still, but I never saw it enforced maybe, or I know that the SEC had made a ruling maybe two years ago that you couldn't because of Saban rule, you know, uh, the one second, that uh, if the clock went down to, I think, well, three or less seconds. You couldn't spike it, the, yeah. You couldn't spike it. Right. But I never saw that being enforced. Or did I overlook it? Were they enforcing that rule? I, I, I don't recall it ever really coming up, and I think that could also be because teams were, were smart, just didn't do that. They just didn't spike it with one or two seconds left on the clock. I could be wrong. I'm not obviously keeping track of every single game. There's a lot of them, but uh, I, I don't recall that really coming into play recently. By the way, Steve, only got about 30 seconds uh, before we got to take our last or take the hour okay. break. All right. Well, you'll like this one. I like, I like a good field story uh, from Fox News. College football player suffers injury after hitting a go-ahead grand slam, and the opponent's team helped her around the bases. Did you know about that? I did not. I haven't seen that. Yes, it happened Saturday. Grandview University and Southeast University were playing each other in a NAIA matchup when Grandview's Kayla Moses hit a go-ahead grand slam when she was running around second base. She apparently injured her leg and she couldn't make it to third base. And NAIA rules did know this state that her teammates were not allowed to help her move around the bases. So the opponent's players, Southeastern players, took initiative to carry her around the rest of the diamond and have her touch third base and home plate to win the game. Wow, that's a cool story. Good so sportsmanship apparently, there. Apparently, good sportsmanship matters more than winning the damn game. There How you about go. that? All right, guys, thanks for your time. My time is up, and... Uh, We'll talk to you tomorrow, no matter how bad or maybe an episode occurs. We'll find out. Worry, guys. War Eagle Steve, that's retired Ward AM Steve joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Out of time for hour number one. Again, the second hour will be the final hour. No third hour today because Auburn baseball coming up at 545 today. So one more hour of sports call coming up after this timeout. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. 
Second and final hour of Sports Call starting right now on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Camberry, Tom Peavy with you here. Again, big shout out to Britt Bowen for joining us in hour number one, talking Auburn women's basketball and Auburn softball. So we will have to get to get get to it here in hour number two. And Tommy, you were looking up uh, uh, what I, Bellarmine from I, last year. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, Steve brought up uh, the uh, uh, a school that's ineligible for the tournament this year uh, because they are in their first year right. from Division two to Division one. And so I looked it up, and and apparently this is a an old rule. In fact, the story I'm reading that has it listed as quote unquote archaic. Yeah. Uh, those <laughs> it's one of those rules and it's one of those rules that the ncaa just has never changed uh this had an effect last year uh bellarmine who was uh from division one or i'm sorry from division two to division one in the atlantic sun they won their tournament last year right. um they they upset liberty and then beat the university of jacksonville in the championship game which would have put bellarmine in the tournament however they were ineligible due to that archaic rule and therefore the regular season champion of the a sun got to go to the tournament which was jacksonville state who auburn beat in the first round so that's how auburn ended up playing them now the reason according to what i'm reading here that it's a four-year rule and again it's archaic it doesn't make sense the ncaa needs to change this but the reasoning is is competitive advantage and the thought of the ncaa was if you come from Division Two to Division One, you have it. You are a at a competitive disadvantage because you are from Division Two to Division One. Four years to build your program up. is to build your program yeah. up because for it's a four year right. school. The kids are there for four years, and so that's the idea behind it. That you're D one, but yeah. it has been shown now that schools can come in from year one and immediately compete. So therefore, the NCAA needs to get rid of that rule. So well, that's why that's why it's there. That's the reasoning behind it is competitive disadvantage moving from division two to division one. But see, here's what I, I don't agree about that. It's a competitive disadvantage for the school that has recently joined. So why is it that if they overachieve well, expectations, right. they can't benefit right. from that? It's a punishment. The, the, the thing that you would want to guard against if there was any way that that would be unfair advantage for them, because basically right. this is an unfair disadvantage to them. And so you want to make sure that if, if they're ineligible, there's something that would impact the other schools and be unfair to the other schools about immediate success out of Division right. Two not the other way around. I right. feel like if you have been able to somehow sure. play above expectations and make the tournament, that's just a, a celebration of their success sure. and not – I mean, yeah, not – No, I, you, you would think that that rule would be in place if you go from Division One to Division Two, then you have a competitive advantage and therefore you're not going to be eligible for the Division Two title because you've been playing Division One. Right. And you have an advantage over these other schools, so therefore you're gonna have to take four years right. to get down yeah, to the level of down. these guys. Um, it's an arcade rule, but apparently that's why it was put in place is to allow these teams four years to get to the Division One level uh, of uh, personnel and everything. But like I said, it's been shown that these teams can compete immediately. So this guy needs to get rid of that rule because yeah, it's, you're you're costing teams a chance to play in the big tournament and that has apparently happened several times now that that, that is the case there was a uh, 
a, a women's team that that also happened to um the story this um march of 2022 the story did did dixie state have a chance in the whack tournament uh and i think that's um i i think that was a, a women's team that uh apparently didn't get the chance to go and then of course last year bellarmine didn't get the chance to go but yeah it's one of those it's one of those uh weird rules i think the ncaa needs to really look at getting, you, getting rid of were you able ever to clarify on the the football side of things what the i, I didn't there this is? this all just deals with basketball i haven't really because again vague memory oh, i'm sorry cal baptist won the uh cal baptist women won the whack in their third year of transitioning to the d1 level um not only did they win the conference tournament, they also went undefeated in the regular season, a perfect 22-0. and uh, They became the first team since the 2017-2018 UConn women to win their conference te- tournament and go undefeated, and they didn't get to go to the tournament. And see, again, wow. I, I just I, – I don't quite understand that, and a lot of people out there might say, why does it matter? Well, again, it, it's still, it's a, it's a bid to the NCAA tournament. Sure. And to them it matters a lot. And – Part of what Mar- makes March Madness great is the ability to have Cinderellas, and I can't think of a bigger definition of a Cinderella of a team that just made it up and in one of their first years in Division One makes the tournament already. Um, I think also what's kind of ironic about the rule, and again, maybe it made more sense way back when, but it's not like you're jumping from Division Two into one of the premier conferences in Division One, you're, you're not going to go right. and be like, all right, well, the SEC wanted this Division Two team in here, so we're going to go compete in the SEC as Division Two team. Well, then, yeah, there, there's gonna, yeah. there's going to be a sizable gap, no matter what sport you're talking about, from a Division Two team to any sort of SEC team. Yeah. And and so, so on and so forth with Big Ten, Big 12, whatever. But a lot of these teams are not – they're all – well, really all these teams are going into the smaller conferences in basketball, football, et cetera. You know, Appalachian State didn't go from being an FCS power to going in the ACC. They went into the Sun Belt. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jacksonville State is moving up from the FCS. They're not going into the ACC or the SEC. They're going into Conference USA uh, for football and, and for these other things here in a year or two. So, again, I, I – you're going to play your FBS opponents yeah. as a Division One school either way, but the fact that you are not eligible to make the tournament is just a penalty for you being good, good. too early. That's yeah, a punishment, basically, uh, for outdoing yourself. So that part of it does not make a lot of sense to me, but, uh, again, Ward AMC brought that one up, and uh, that is, uh, that's the way, it, unfortunately, it is. And so the Northeast Conference, the NEC, uh, it's probably going to have a winner that, or or a NCAA tournament representative that not had otherwise would have gone, uh, if not for a uh, a little bit of an older rule there. So again, we let's uh, let's continue on with the show here, and we've not yet uh, discussed uh, in great detail some of these other sports going on with Auburn. Uh, again, Auburn baseball coming up tonight against Florida A and M. You also got Auburn softball. We did talk a little bit about. Uh, that with Britt Bowen, Auburn women's basketball tomorrow night. That will impact uh, if we have a show on Friday. I'll get into that a little bit more later. And then, of course, this Auburn-Alabama game in Tuscaloosa uh, coming up tonight. Uh, again, this is that time of year where all of these sports are overlapping and you've got uh, 
four big sports, <laughs> so to speak, beautiful. right now. Uh, Auburn women's basketball might be down to just one more game. We don't know, but uh, th- this is where they're all kind of intersecting. It makes it very crazy times on our on our <laughs> airwaves. Yeah. A lot of a lot of Auburn reasons to tune in, but uh, a lot to look forward to, and a lot a lot of different games that could go into. I don't know, making the Auburn experience a little happier this time of year. Yeah, have, uh, I. I mean. I like I said, I said this is the most beautiful time. You know, if we could throw football in here, I, it would be quite chaotic. But man, it would be so much fun having all these Auburn sports going on at the same time. Um, I mean, we have spring football. I guess uh, we're kind of close. Yeah, um, well, it I mean, started April, on Monday. Yeah, yep. April eighth will be April eighth, seventh. Eighth sounds right. Yeah, will be uh, a day. So that'll be um, fun, and I'm sure everybody, you know, things are buzzing around that talking about spring football. But yeah. Um, the women's women's basketball team. Hopefully, they get the uh, get the win, um, you know, for their sake and and for Johnny Harris's sake as she continues to build this program. I'm I'm excited and I you know seeing the improvement is always good year to year, um, and so I'm sure in year three she'll you know continue to um, build the program how how she sees fit. Um, but seeing Auburn, you know, second in steals, you know, pretty solid defense. I didn't know they were that good uh, on defense and creating turnover. So, um, hearing that, I mean, that's a, that's something great and exciting and, uh, baseball's doing their thing. I joked with you guys, uh, last week, um, and that game that ended in a tie, so unfortunate 12 to 12. Um, but, uh, cause of, cause of travel restrictions, but man, what a, what a high scoring game, um, for for baseball and i joked that and i've I've been in the studio doing doing the board twice on sundays and auburn started off started off down four zero the top of the fourth (laughs) inning back to back games so um but they definitely fought back and um it's exciting to uh to see where this team's gonna go yeah spot them four uh, yeah not not usually ideal but the way auburn's been scoring runs they've been able to make up for it most of the time four is nothing Before we get to our next commercial break, let's get to today's birthdays and sports. It's time for today's birthdays and sports. Birthdays and sports presented by Max Credit Union with two locations to serve you. One location on Gay Street in Auburn, the other on Frederick Road in Opelika. Let Max Credit Union help you with all of your banking needs. Today's birthdays, Mike Rozier turns 61. Former NFL running back, Rozier was born in New Jersey and set several records at his high school. Today, that high school field is named after him. He played college football at Nebraska. Two-time All-American winner of the 1983 Maxwell, Walter Camp, and Heisman trophies. Led the Cornhuskers to a national championship appearance as a senior as well. His number is 30. Is retired by Nebraska. Is a member of the College Football Hall of Fame. Played two seasons in the USFL before joining the NFL. Was a two-time Pro Bowler. Mike Rozier turns 61 today. Yeah, Mike was one of those original USFL players of the big-timers that were Passing up the NFL to go to the USFL as a Heisman Trophy winner. Yolanda Griffith turns 52 today. Former WNBA center, was born in Chicago, and was a high school All-American in baseball and softball. She played at FAU, where she was D2 Player of the Year in 1993. She began her pro career in Germany, eventually joining the ABL. After folding of the ABL, she was drafted second overall by the Sacramento Monarchs, Monarchs, excuse me, won MVP and Defensive Player of the Year in her first season. She is an eight-time All-Star, five-time All-WNBA, two-time WNBA rebound leader, and a WNBA champion and finals MVP, Yolanda Griffith, turns 52 today. Chris Weber turns 50, former NBA forward. Weber was born in Detroit and led high school 
His high school to three straight championships was an All-American and Mr. Basketball for the state of Michigan as a senior. Went to Michigan for two years as part of the Fab Five and was National Freshman of the Year in 1991. In 1992, he was an All-American. He was taken first overall by the Magic in 93. Played 17 seasons in the NBA, most of them for the Sacramento Kings. Five-time All-Star, four-time All-NBA. His number four is retired by the Kings. He is currently an analyst for NBA TV. Chris Webber turns 50 today. And Tyreek Hill turns 29, wide receiver for the Miami Dolphins. Hill was born in Douglas, Georgia, was an All-American in football, two-time state champion in track, played college football at Garden City Community College. I believe that's where Nick Marshall went, if I want to, if I'm correct there. Uh, Oklahoma State and West Alabama was taken in the fifth round of the 2016 draft by Kansas City. He played six years in KC before going to the Dolphins, seven-time pro, pro bowler, five-time All-Pro, and one-time Super Bowl champion Tyreek Hill turns 29 today. Again, Mike Rozier turns 61, Yolanda Griffith 52, Chris Weber 50, Tyreek Hill 29. Those are the birthdays in, in sports. Presented by Max Credit Union. All right, let's go ahead and take our next break of the show. When we come back, James from Montgomery will join us on the Auburn Bank phone line. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call. Don't want to call into the show? Send us your thoughts via email. You've got mail. Sports Call at the Tiger.fm. We're done paying the bills. Now back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call today. Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Camberry, Tom Peavy with you here. Again, only about a half hour left in the show. Auburn baseball coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. Baseball. And so that's uh, that's why we will be getting off there here in a little bit. So let's go right back to the Auburn Bank phone line. 334-887-341 locally. We're toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Next up on the show today. James from Montgomery. James joins us. James, how are you doing? I'm good, and War Eagle. War Eagle. Yeah, I know that we have a huge baseball game coming up in like uh, 45 minutes, if I'm saying that correctly. Yeah, we'll be getting off the show then, and then uh, there'll be a little bit of a, a downtime between the end of our show and, and the uh, the baseball game. So the baseball game will air time be about 545. Uh, okay, because I think with the Auburn uh, baseball team, I think we're really, really going to hit some home runs. In uh, in today's game as well, and I'm going to be listening to that game on on the um, Athletics app on my phone. So I'm I'm might I might hear some names I've known from you know from the last few times that I've uh, heard some names from you know from the last few seasons ago from Auburn baseball. But I think Auburn might make it to the World Series this year. I'm hoping and I'm keeping my fingers crossed that we will make it 
this year to the World Series as well. Well, they did last year. They were able to uh, make it to Omaha, and it was the second uh, appearance for Butch Thompson while at Auburn. Hopefully, then, of course, that is the goal again for Auburn this year, and I agree with you. I think they're going to have a really good night against Florida A&M. I think Auburn's going to score a lot of runs. Yeah, because I've actually uh, seen Florida A&M's baseball team, and I'm pretty sure that this is not a good team that Auburn is going to face because I think this is going to be a really good uh, matchup and for Auburn to actually come out at home with a win. So I think I'll take this one with Auburn, and the final score for this game will be 7-3. to 7-3. to three. I, You know what? I actually like it to be uh, a bigger margin than that. I'm going something like 12-1 to one or 12-2 to two tonight. I think Auburn's going to have a really good night. They might even be able to run rule them in, in seven innings, so we will see. Yeah, that's all because I mean we've we um, I've been waiting for baseball season to start. Um, I know it's the spring uh, season for Auburn baseball and um, Butch Thompson and uh, seeing what he's really going to do for this team as well. Absolutely, we are looking forward to it. What else is on your mind today? Well, I'm actually going to be watching a big basketball game between Auburn and Alabama, and I think Auburn might take this one on the road to Tuscaloosa and seeing a great uh, a great show in uh, Janiah Broome. So I think this is going to be his show, and I think Auburn is going to sweep Alabama under the rug and just you know just take you know take a good win at this one as well. Well, they're going to try, but they're going to be uh, pretty big underdogs uh, as Alabama has continued to play really good basketball. Alabama already beat Auburn in Neville Mm -hmm. Arena earlier this year, so it's going to be a a big uphill battle for Auburn, but I know they're going to give a good effort. Yeah, so what about um, Brandon Miller? Is he going to play tonight, or what's the case behind that? Yes, he will still be be playing. Okay, so we just have to just put – you know, we the the uh, the fan base from both sides. They need to just uh, put this story behind behind them and just move on forward with it and uh, see what's what's really going to come of this as well. Because I've I've known I've heard um, you know a lot about other um, athletes, not just Bryant, not just uh, Miller, but the. Um, player from Georgia I heard that he was um allegedly in a in a like in a in a street race or something of that sort yeah no he uh he was again late after hours doing uh doing some sort of race um and and speeding and that led to an accident that that killed two people and injured others and uh definitely a uh a, a difficult situation Yes, as well, because, I mean, with all these um, athletes, you know, doing all these, um, you know, putting their names out in sports news, it it makes us as sports fans look bad on their behalf as well, because these are guys that, you know, that we want to see uh, pursue their careers in the next journey of their lives. And when we, as sports fans, we're looking at these athletes, you know, as if they're going to play like in the NBA or in the NFL or in Major League Baseball, where does that fit for us as sports fans? Do we trust them enough or do we have to just say, 
oh, we, we're not going to follow you like on Twitter or Instagram or Snapchat because if that's how they feel, that's how we're going to feel towards them as well as fans of their, of their excellence on and off the field as well. Yeah, some people look up to these guys as role models and uh, getting arrested or, or doing making some of these poor decisions, although they are very young people. I mean, they're, they're still, you know, Brandon Miller is, what, 19 years old and Jalen mm-hmm. Carter, 21 or 22. I, I, I would advise people not to look up to, to teenagers uh, that are still growing yeah. and maturing. But, um, yeah, certainly athletes become role models for a lot of people, and if you're going to grow into that, then you've got to make good decisions, mm-hmm. and uh, some of these guys have not been. Yeah, because I, I mean, I've seen – well, I've actually heard like a lot of um, young kids. They always want to idolize themselves, like after LeBron James or Michael Jordan or uh, you know my favorite NASCAR driver uh, Bubba Wallace. They always want to idolize them, and I was like, um, okay, that's what you're thinking in your mind. But in order for you to actually have that mindset, you have to realize of what they went through to get through those hoops to get to be a professional NASCAR driver or a professional NBA basketball star or a professional baseball player or professional uh, gymnast or um, a professional NFL player as well. You know, why would you want to idolize your, why would they want to idolize themselves around those kinds of athletes? You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's okay to do that, but you have to put in the hard work and dedication to get to that point as well. It just doesn't. It just doesn't happen overnight. It it has to hard. It has to work. You have to work hard to get to that point as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. All all those guys and that become professional athletes that that took a lot of years of work and uh, they obviously were blessed with some sort of talent, but they also had to perfect that talent and. A lot of hard work goes into getting to the biggest sports, biggest stage. Yes, that's well, because I know every year I watch like the Pro Football Hall of Fame enshrinement ceremonies, and I'm sitting here, you know, like, you know, watching these guys on on national TV, and I'm thinking, like, you know, what their what their struggles have been through, and like I know for me as a as a NFL football fan, I've I've heard so many people. Uh, being inducted like Jim Brown and listening to his stories and seeing what he's been through, you know, as for me as a young African American, I, I idolize him as a as a person, you know, from a from a personal standpoint, and then I take the fan standpoint because I I don't I haven't seen him play, but I've seen like highlights of him playing and. I'm thinking, you know, this is what I want to do in my near future. You know, I want to, I want to, you know, put myself in his shoes and and you know make things right. You know, for everybody here as Americans. Sure, sure. Well, James, do you have any uh, final thoughts for us? Because we uh, we've got a shortened show, obviously, so we're going to have to get to our next break in a minute. But do you have uh, any final thoughts for us? Um, no, I don't have any final thoughts, but the only final thought that I actually have is I'm actually going to be, uh, seeing, uh, if South Carolina is going to win another, uh, SEC, uh, championship and seeing what Don Stanley is going to be doing for the 2023-2024 season as well. Yes, the SEC Women's Tournament started today, and 
Uh, South Carolina, the heavy favorites. Obviously, LSU is a really good team as well, but South Carolina already beat them in the regular season. So pretty heavy favorites for the Gamecocks, and, and Don Saley's built a true powerhouse at South Carolina. Yes, as well, and I hope I see some of those uh, South Carolina uh, Gamecocks. The South Carolina uh, lady, um, I, well, I don't know what I don't know how they how they uh, announced that as well. Yeah, I think uh, I think you just called them the South Carolina Gamecocks, but uh, either way, they've been winning a lot of basketball games, and of course, Auburn will start their SEC women's tournament tomorrow. Yes, yeah, so I think um, who we play tomorrow is it going to be on? television or yes. is it going to be televised five five, on, five o'clock tomorrow against georgia on what espn sec network yeah sec network okay so i will be tuning in that one and i will have my tv cranked up all the way for that one on uh thursday uh yeah for uh for friday uh Th- game as well yeah you had it right it'll be on uh, yeah. thursday yep yeah so i'm just trying to figure out like the the different schedules as well because I have so many uh schedules for Auburn so it's it's kind of hard to you know keep everything in in check as well. Yeah, very busy time of year for Auburn athletics and just sports sports world in general. James, well, we appreciate the phone call today and we look forward to talking to you again soon, my friend. All right, sounds good. And I did uh, pick a really good trivia for um, Thursday's show. I would like to have um, the Pro Football Hall of Fame trivia. Okay, Pro Football Hall of Fame trivia on tomorrow's show. We will do that for you. All right, sounds good. And War Eagle. War Eagle. That is James from Montgomery joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. We need to take another timeout. When we come back, we'll preview again Auburn and Alabama tonight and just an updated look at the SEC basketball standings. You are listening to this Wednesday edition of Sports Call. I'm Jeff Whitaker Jr., former Auburn Tigers defensive tackle and national champion, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Tom PV, Cam Berry with me here. I'm Ryan LaVoy. And, again, only about 15 or so minutes left in the show. Got to prepare for Auburn baseball coming up 545 airtime right here on Tiger 95.9. So as we start to wind things down, again, a look at the SEC slate and still a little too convoluted on on trying to figure out exactly what's going to happen bracket-wise. Tennessee pretty much solidified their fourth spot um, last night in their win, although they did lose to Kai Ziegler to a uh, torn ACL. So that was a brutal loss. That's but, tough. Uh, still a very congested middle of the SEC. Missouri, Auburn, and Vanderbilt all at 9 and 7. That spots 5 through 7. And then spots 8 through 10, Mississippi State, Arkansas, and Florida all at 8 and 9. If Auburn loses both, I mean, all those still could be in play. I don't know exactly how – all the tiebreakers work out because right. it wouldn't be just as simple as head-to-head if you're in a three-way tie. For instance, the, this could be wrong, but the way they list the standings right now, 
They have Missouri 5, Auburn 6, Vandy 7, even though Auburn beat Missouri and Vandy beat Auburn. So, again, I don't know how everything (laughs) – I don't know how everything will shake out in three-way tie scenarios. We'll just have to – well, I just have to see as it gets a little bit uh, bit closer and and see the scenarios. But, again, the SEC slate tonight beside Auburn Alabama, a little lighter, just three games tonight. Kentucky hosting Vanderbilt. Kentucky favored by 10. And then LSU hosting Missouri. Missouri favored by four on the road against the LSU team that finally did pick up an SEC win again the other week against Vanderbilt. By the way, yesterday Alabama opened as nine-point favorites against Auburn. That is now up to ten. So uh, not a whole lot going on tonight. Again, Auburn-Alabama would be the big one. Uh, We we talked a little bit about just some keys – my thing is, when we're looking at a road environment, Auburn had done a really good job of not being rattled by road environments up until the Kentucky game. They were in the Tennessee game the whole way. Now, to be fair, when you score when you when you score forty six points like Tennessee is, what 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 would have constituted a right. big run in that game? Six zero run, five yeah. zero run. I mean, you know, you never had a big avalanche thrown at you. Ten zero run puts that game uh, away, right? Um, <laughs> But even in the Texas A&M game, which was a higher-scoring game, A&M had plenty of runs, but Auburn always met them, maybe retook a lead in, in some of those instances, right. and that ended up being a close game. The two most, I want to say lopsided, but they still weren't that bad overall uh, games for Auburn this year were at Georgia early in SEC play and then host Texas A&M. I think it was a 15-point deficit for A&M, maybe 12 or 13 for the Georgia game. Uh, still, though, felt like at times Auburn had opportunities in those games. Um, nothing like the Kentucky game where after the 8 or 9-0 run to in the first half, that, that, no was, that, was, it. Oh, that um, was it. So the first big Alabama run tonight, whether that be out of the gates to go up 9-2 to two, or whether that to go up 20-12 to 12, or at the end of a half, beginning of the second half, whenever, that's going to be – the quote-unquote moment of truth for Auburn if, is if they really shook off that Kentucky game, and that was right. just a one-time thing. Because all the other games, home and away, Auburn has battled to the end, and they have been involved in a lot of close games. That's why we talked about for weeks Auburn not being able to win close games because that was all the types of games they were losing. So to me, I want to see how Auburn responds to the first real run sure. of the night by Alabama. And there will be runs by Alabama. They're Definitely. a great offensive team. But can Auburn get themselves up off the mat the first couple of times that Alabama goes on one yeah. of those runs? Well, and Yeah, can they get them? That's kind of one of the things I was talking about is, is not panicking. Uh, at the very beginning of the show, I was kind of outlining what Auburn needed to do. Uh, and, and my whole thing was the mental part of it. And that one of those was not panic. Whenever Alabama does go on a run like that is to not panic. Keep the game in front of you. Don't start coming down and just feeling like you guys just start firing up threes from all over Coleman Coliseum because you feel like you're in desperation mode to either stop a run or to try to get back in it or something. So it's like, don't panic. Right. The other thing that Auburn's going to have to do, and part of that not panicking and trying to stop these runs is, look, Alabama's student section and Alabama's fans have finally discovered that they actually have something outside of football. And Mm -hmm. they are packing in Coleman Coliseum as we speak. There's videos of them doing basically what Auburn would normally do at a home game. 
they are piled up at the front door, and I mean they're lined up as far as you can see, trying to get into the into Coleman Coliseum. So, the environment Auburn is going into is going to be a deafening environment. It's going to be a wild environment. They're going to have students screaming and yelling at them, cursing them out, doing everything else. They're going to have to not let that get to them. They're going to have to, like I said, keep the game in front of them and not panic. Alabama is going to go on those runs. Alabama may start out this game, and I would not be surprised at all if they start this game out on something like a 9-2, to 10-2 run and really have that crowd going and really start having Auburn's backs against the wall. But Auburn can't let that get away from them. They, they cannot panic. They cannot let the atmosphere affect them the way Auburn's atmosphere affects teams when they come here. Auburn cannot allow those things to happen. And the one thing they have to do is by doing that is to play their game, use Janai Broom, work on the inside. I think Janai Broom is better than Bediaco on the inside. I think he can play better. Now, he didn't show that here uh, when Alabama came here, but I think he can play better and, and have a, a, a very good force on the inside. Um, and, and the defensive-wise, obviously, Brandon Miller, you, you have to try to keep him in front of you. Don't let him get to the basket. Uh, don't let anybody get to the basket to you. And that was a big defensive letdown that Auburn had against Alabama uh, here is Alabama had way too many uncontested drives to the hoop with nobody getting on them. I mean, they, the majority of what Alabama scored against Auburn were, were layups and dunks. I think they had like nine dunks against Auburn here. So mm-hmm. Auburn's got to do better defensive-wise. they got to get these guys – keep the guys in front of them, contest these shots. Uh, it, it, you know – if it causes you get into foul trouble and you end up having that foul shot discrepancy that we've talked about before, then you know at least you're trying to play physical brand so of basketball. Yeah. yeah, and and if you're not getting the calls, you're not getting the calls. But I would rather you not get the calls, play a physical form of basketball, and contest the shots than just allowing them to just go in and have the uncontested layups or or dunks that, and especially the dunks, which are going to get your crowd even fired up more. Right. So. Uh, Stay in front of them, play physical, and and hopefully you can get the calls. Yeah, so Bruce talked about in the post-game press conference that in that Kentucky game, this was the first time he felt like his team didn't play together. Like they didn't, right. you know, um, and that's kind of why that he alluded to that's kind of why the team got blown out the way that they did um, is that they, they did not play together, they didn't stick together. That's why even though they weren't closing – you know, these close games, Auburn was still in close games because they they continued to play together. They weathered these storms. Uh, they didn't let any atmosphere rattle them, um, whether, you know, um, in the away situations. Um, they, they, you know, stuck together defensively, offensively. They communicated well. Everything was, you know, um, even though they didn't win those close games um, and close them out tremendously they were still competitive throughout the entirety of the game. I think that's the the same thing that you have to do in this game. You just have to stick together. You're right. I think Alabama is going to go on a run early. Um, you got to be able to weather that storm if you're Auburn. Play play to your identity. Play to who you know. Um, play to your strengths. Play to the inside. Um, and feed Janai and like I said earlier, feed Jalen as well. Get those inside guys going. Um, and maybe it'll open up some shots in the outside uh, a little bit for you. Um, and make those threes a little bit easier. 
Um, and so if you're if you're Auburn, you just got to stick together. And and I think, like I said, they've done a good job of that throughout the entire season, except for the Kentucky game. Um, and if you just stick together, maybe you might be able to pull out a win. Um, and and just you know play to your play to yourself. Auburn, Alabama tonight, six o'clock, five thirty airtime over on FM Talk ninety three point nine. And Alabama now favored by ten. We will see what transpires in Coleman Coliseum. One final timeout. Back to wrap things up today after this. You're listening to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. Let's get back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Feel free to give us a call at 334-887-3401 or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Final minute or two of the show today. Tiger 95.9. This is Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Talk show. My name is Ryan LaVoy. I've got Cam Berry and Tom Peavy with me here. Again, Auburn baseball coming up 545 airtime right here. So we're going to go ahead and get off air. Let everyone get set for an array of Auburn athletics tonight. Again, softball coming up at Troy 545 airtime on 99.9 KNFM. As mentioned, Auburn baseball right here, and then Auburn basketball in Tuscaloosa to take on Alabama. 5.30 airtime on FM Talk 93.9. Time for Nightly TV Guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide. Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Tonight, college basketball, 5.30 on FS1. Xavier visits Providence in the Big East. 6 o'clock on ESPN2 is where you can find Auburn and number 2 Alabama. 6 o'clock on ESPNU, number 25 Pittsburgh goes to Notre Dame. And then you got the other Auburn sporting events. 6 o'clock in baseball, Auburn, Florida A&M from Plainsman Park on the SEC Network Plus. And 6 o'clock, number 19 Auburn in softball goes to Troy. That one is on ESPN Plus. So SEC Network Plus for Auburn baseball tonight and ESPN Plus for Auburn softball tonight. And that is Sports Call's nightly TV guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. All right, fun show today, guys. Uh, we're going to be a interesting battle tonight. We'll have more reaction tomorrow. We will go through the uh, bubble ramifications, of which there are plenty, yeah. and we will continue to break everything down later in the week. But, Cam, thank you for being here today, yes, sir. sir. Tom, thank you for being here today and for this week. We'll yes, see you sir. next week. Absolutely. I'll be here. Bow, bow. And we uh, we thank Britt Bowen, the voice of Auburn women's basketball and Auburn softball, for joining us on the show today. And as always, we thank those that tuned in and called in. For Cam Berry and Tom Peavy, my name is Ryan Lavoy. Enjoy Auburn Athletics tonight, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.